as former fire captain John Orr walked in to be sentenced today. Looking at his face, there was no clue to the madness that would cause him to set fires all over California, killing four people in this 1984 fire at Oli's home center in South Pasadena. Two store employees died in this blaze, along with two-year-old Matthew Troidel and his 50-year-old maternal grandmother. Prosecutors claim the former arson investigator got sexual gratification out of setting fires. Today, Orr declined to address the court, and Judge Robert Perry sentenced him to four life terms in prison without the possibility of parole. I find that uh, four concurrent life without parole terms are appropriate for counts one through four, and they are now imposed. Hearing the sentence, Orr seemed passive, but relatives of people killed in fires he set wanted the death penalty, an eye for an eye. He gets to see his grandson. He gets to just enjoy breathing and being alive. And that's more than our families are gonna be able to do. At the Glendale Fire Department, where John Orr worked, former colleagues said, good riddance to bad rubbish. I think he's very sick. Uh, you know, it's very disappointing to work with someone and think that uh, they have the same motivations that you do and find that they don't. Leaving court, John Orr will now spend the rest of his life in prison. He was also convicted on 20 counts of arson for setting the 1990 College Hills fire in Glendale. Doug Kriegel, Channel 4 News. Welcome to the Scarlet Tavern. Grab a drink, take a seat, and let's begin. On tonight's episode, we will discuss John Leonard Orr, the firefighter turned arsonist and killer. Can you take the heat? This is Scarlet Tavern. All right, so we are back with our third topic which would be our fifth episode technically um now that we are doing two parters uh last week was a was a rough one uh this one's not much better but um next week our our next topic will be a much lighter one. Um, but I want to start off with a couple questions, uh, before we jump in. Oh boy. What would be your Mount Rushmore of star Wars characters Four, your four favorites? Okay, I was about to say, I was like, what do you mean? Oh, you mean, okay. Like, your top four, like, Mount Rushmore, top four. Hmm. And I'm assuming this is the whole yeah. thing. Canon, expanded yeah. universe, legend. Okay. Uh, well, this one's not going to shock you, Revan. Oh, oh, God, you're making me think. Um, Revan? Obi-Wan Kenobi? Han Solo. And this one you're not going to know. But I actually really like this character. And I wish they would 
they would have expanded on her backstory, although as opposed to a few issues in the comic book and a novel tie-in. Um, Kira Holt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you are familiar with Kira Holt. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought she was a very interesting character, but like I said, they just kind of they they did a few issues of comic books with her in a in a book, and that's it. Never never did anything. I would say Darth Maul, my all-time favorite. Uh, Revan is in there. Um, I would have to say... Um, I'd have to say Mando, definitely. Uh, Din Djarin. Yeah. And then... My fourth... I mean, you gotta go with a classic Vader. I mean, you know me, I like like the Sith side of everything. Um... But yeah, so all right. If you had to carve in a mountain, would you have unmasked Mando? So you just basically have Pedro Pascal's face looking out there, just (laughs) daddy. Um, Mount Rushmore of serial killers. Hmm. So, meaning the most interesting. Yeah, the ones that you. You felt drawn to read more about or study more. Okay, that's it. that's all right. So first one for me would be the Black Dahlia, just because there's it was it just a one or was it actually was the Black Dahlia simply a part of a another serial killer that was already going in there? Because that were actually Black Dahlia is definitely one we're gonna discuss. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jack the Ripper. So many theories. All are right, none are right. Uh, This one you probably never heard of simply because it's so so interesting. It actually reads like it came off of a, like a, what they call one of those penny dreadfuls. The Black Doodler. Hmm. Um, I'll go, I'll talk more about it, but basically the black doodler was a, was, if it was true, which there is evidence that he did actually happen, but he doesn't get a lot of it. Uh, San Francisco, 1960s, 70s, he would, a, a homosexual man would actually prowl the, the bar, the, the LGBTQ bars of San Francisco, the Bay area. And he would just doodle people as like a pickup line. And he would go back to their apartments, and then after intercourse, he kill them. Hmm. Yeah, supposedly there was some people who survived, but nobody would refuse. No, back then nobody willingly outed themselves, so yeah, he never got he never got uh, never got arrested or anything. You don't we don't even know like the suspect's name because San Francisco police won't comment on an at, on an open case. Yeah, so that's um, two. That's three. Um, the last one, 
Because that would probably be Son of Sam. Okay. Son of, because I li- I don't live in New York City, but that was New York, and that was actually uh, the hysteria for that was real. Even where I live in New York, my mother and my grandmother would say that when that was happening, women all over New York changing State their like, hair color, doing every where the. The things my grand, my mother and grandmother said they did were like, oh, we were scared. I'm like, it's in New York City. You're like seven hours away. What were you worried about? Oh, you never know. I'm like, okay, I guess not. I mean, I don't think the people in Florida were orig- originally worried until uh, a serial killer came knocking at their door in Gainesville. That is, that is very true. So you never so, know. You, you're absolutely right. Um. Okay, so... Bundy... Um, again, I'm from Florida, so Bundy hits Florida, hits close to home there. Um, obviously he's not from there, but he did a significant amount of killings and was caught there. Um, how, how far away were you? From- Gainesville. Uh, well, number one, my sister lives in Gainesville. She goes to UF. Um, oh. and she's in vet school there. My stepsister. Um, I was about to say, it's like. Why am I just hearing about yeah. my sister? No, my stepsister. Uh, she she goes to UF, um, so she's in Gainesville. She's in vet school there, but uh, probably about five six hours. But um, he did travel through my small town Ooh. at one point, and actually, my one of the small towns that I lived in uh, called Sebastian. Um, he actually killed somebody from there. Oh, their family still, her family still lives there. Um, I'll have to find the name when we do Ted Bundy. I'll find the name. Um, that's like a four part part episode. Oh yeah. Ted Ted Bundy is going to be massive. Um, so Bundy, um, uh, Ed Kemper. Um, very interesting. Cause I, Ed Kemper is very interesting because it may be that he would not have turned out the way he was if he didn't have the upbringing he did. Yeah. Um, that's Possibly. very much nurture versus nature kind of thing. I think um, we've, we've definitely covered that there are people who are definitely born with that, that switch, that brokenness. There are, like Robert Padella definitely was one of those people I feel was born with it, but you're right. Ed Kemper was somebody. Oh, yeah. Maybe if his mom wasn't just such a nutcase, maybe Ed Kemper just would just be an old retired uh, California Highway Patrol cop right about now. Um. Then I would say the toy box killer, which I know that's not one you know about. No, I actually I am not familiar with the toy box. Either. We are definitely going to touch him. He he was big in the fifties. Didn't get caught till the nineties, and then died in the two thousands. Um, very interesting one. Very brutal, um, but very interesting. Um, and see my final one. Would probably have to be. Oh, there's so many. I, I'm, 
I love the serial killer topic. I was going to, when I was still a cop, I was going to school to study them. Um, I would probably have to say the Zodiac. Another one. Never been caught. They're suspects. People think there, there of course was the big thing was Jack the Ripper and Zodiac, the same person that was, yeah, that was one of the big rumors. I don't believe it is. Um, by yeah, the time the was, Zodiac was surfaced, Jack the Ripper, Ripper would have been very old and would not have been able to do what he did. Um, Jack the Ripper would have been dead by the 1970s. Well, I mean, there are, time machine. I mean, well, I mean, there are people that are living a long time. So, yeah. but, um, but that was one of the court correlating things was people thought because of the way the crimes happened that Jack the Ripper and Zodiac could have been the same person. Um, they also believe that Jack the Ripper could have been multiple people, but, um, we'll get into all of that when we touch on all of them. Cause we are going to touch on them, but definitely the Zodiac. It was, I remember going to see the Zodiac movie in theaters and really? it, it was my dad and I went and it was like six hours long. I think if I remember right, it, it was, was like, a, it, it was, was like three long. hours when you saw it in the theaters, it was three hours. And then you took a break. They put like a 30 minute break to for people to go to the bathroom, get concessions and everything, and then you came back after thirty minutes and finished the other three hours. Uh my dad will actually be joining us for part two, everybody. And when he does, uh we'll we'll talk about that because we'll see if he remembers going to that. Um But yeah, so and again, all of these people we are gonna touch on. With that, I say let's go ahead and jump in. To part one and Ben will be taking the reins on these, our next two topics. Thank you everybody. All right, let's get into it. John Leonard Orr has been known for many things in his life. Brother, husband, father, airman, firefighter, arson investigator, murderer, and monster. From the mid-1980s to 1991, Southern, Calif- Southern and Central California experienced a wave of arsons on- that was unprecedented for its time. The cost of this was in the tens of millions of dollars for its time, which would be equivalent almost in the hundreds of millions today. And many of these fires would, be- would end up being investigated by John Orr himself. At the height of his reign of terror, it is believed as many as 2,000 fires were set in the Southern California region alone. This is the story of the Pillow Pyro, as the investigators would call him, or as others would call him, the fire lover. This is John Leonard Orr. Ominous. Sorry, folks, my things. Orr was born on April 26, 1949, in Los Angeles, California. He was one of three boys. His parents d- divorced when he was young. His mother just happened just up and leaving without any notice, going, um, and only and only uh, making contact after several days of not of being incognito to his family. This would lead to his father to have his father to have many health issues throughout the rest of his life. Or would later, after high school, would join the U.S. Air Force. In, 1970, in 1967, 
He shipped out for basic training at Amarillo Air Force Base, Texas. They used to actually uh, send you somewhere else besides Lackland. Yeah. Uh, how did how did we luck out? Uh, <laughs> I say that. And then and then getting stuck at the same base for tech school. Yeah. I almost I will I will say I almost became a firefighter in the Air Force. I and then I became friends on my first base at Effie Warren in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I became friends with the firefighters and I was literally this close to doing a transfer. This close cuz I was like they didn't get they didn't have to do shit all day. They no, sat there they in the they sat there in the burn tower. No, there's never any firefighter calls because guess what? All the cops in the air force are all medically trained, so they never had to fucking show up to anything. At least on my base, we were all we were all first responders, so we never they never had to show up for anything medical. We did everything. Normally, folks, this would be the point of the of where we would say no offense to the air force firefighters, but. We, you know, it's the truth. It is. You guys didn't do shit. You guys were lazy, um, and all you did was sit there, work out, and play in your burn tower. Mm-hmm. Or, or practice your golf swing. At my yeah, office. yeah. Uh, he was he after completed basic training. He would transfer to the Air Force Firefighter School, where he would be st- where he would graduate and become an Air Force firefighter. His first duty station was uh marin spain lucky i have yeah this man is a horrible this man is a horrible murderer but lucky bastard getting getting a spain assignment right off the bat yeah but then he transferred to montana Ugh. yeah well it's like going to minot yeah, pretty much. In 1970, he was transferred to Minot to Minot to Malstrom <laughs> Air Force Base, Montana. Malstrom's uh, not much better. Yeah, where he would serve out the rest of his term. He would he would uh, reminisce about this as being a very boring assignment, as we as we mentioned. Air Force firefighters don't do a lot. <laughs> He'd end. True to form, he didn't do a what? lot in Montana. Why are Air Force firefighters needed in Spain? Uh, actually, fun fact, everybody, Moran. This is not classified information, so I have I have no guilt of sharing this. Moran, Spain, along with Lodges Field in the Azores in Portugal, which is where I was first stationed. Both bases are alternate um, landing places for the space shuttle for NASA on top and and strategic bombers. Plus, uh, somebody really wants to get stationed in Spain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but John Orr would also realize that this is also where he started growing his growing contempt for authority, as if as he was very he chafed under the what he would call bullshit authority of his superiors in the air force what military officers bossing you around (gasps) it's almost like you didn't fucking sign up for it yeah he was honorably discharged uh from the air force in april 1971 um as i said he he would reflect on it he did not have he had contempt for his authority figures or returned to Los Angeles with his wife, who he married while he was in Spain. 
She is not from Spain. She is from the area. These were high school sweethearts. She just followed them to Spain. Stupid. Oh, yeah. Where he applied to the LAPD, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, along with, along with the LAFD and Los Angeles County Fire Department. Uh, while he was wait, uh, while he was waiting to hear back from these various agencies, his wife gave birth to their first daughter. While um, he was eventually um, invited to test for the LAPD, he passed all his tests except for those based on mental health. Uh, he would he would say that most of it came from his, his lack of enthusiasm or interest in this uh we will never really know los angeles pd has i believe has never really fully disclosed why they what they found on him but they did ended up failing him for um he he's saying he was unsuitable for the police department um he would eventually, then after waiting on this, he was eventually uh, accepted to the LAFD to uh, test for them. Unfortunately, he failed this because during the academy, mostly because of his physical his physical abilities. In his time, he had grown quite cedary and uh, had put on some weight and was a bit out of shape. So, and he was eventually uh, rejected from the Los Angeles Fire Department Fire Academy. He eventually would um, get hired with the Glendale Fire Department as his, his, he was becoming very desperate to become a first responder. Uh, at the t time, Glendale FD was at the bottom of the Los Angeles County's um, pay scale, so they were not—they were not in a position to say no to John, to John Orr. Um, um, He would eventually, uh, while be, while as a firefighter, he would uh, take classes uh, for uh, fire, fire science, and interestingly, he also took uh, police police sciences courses, um, as if as he he said that he wanted to uh, better understand the rivalry between the fire department and the police services. I, mean, I don't know what rivalry he's talking about. The police are obviously, you know, the, the superior. Well, yeah, duh. Yeah. They do more work. Eh, yeah. Firefighters just sit uh, around all day cooking. They do eventually. They do. They. I, I think it would be fair that they do every. They do go into some really hazardous situations when they do work. We actually here in uh, Buffalo, New York, we just had a, a firefighter just recently die in the line of service. Um, that was actually very sad. Apparently, he didn't make it out of the um, out of the burning building. Um, while he was going to the colleges, going to college, he eventually, in his off time for the fire department, he would work as. He would work as a clerk in 7-Eleven, and eventually he would work store security at Sears for part-time. This is where he, John, um, John started getting an interest in rekindled in law enforcement as if he as he became um, quite adept at, at um, asset protection and catching shoplifters. He During his first few months, he would catch about 30 shoplifters. Um, 
that the police would arrest, and he also caught one dishonest employee and two cat burglars. He started to develop what he called a cop sixth sense. He started his uh, his his interest in law enforcement never really went away. So um, he he's a he jerk. Is, he he he's very he's, he's a rent a cop. He yeah he is also he started getting a reputation. Um, while he was working there, he would hang out and uh, many cop bars frequented that um, other cops were frequent. He got the reputation of a cop wannabe. Um, Paul Blart. Of, <laughs> Paul Blart at least was funny. This, this, there's nothing <laughs> funny about John, John Orr. Um, becoming, while he's doing this and everything, he's he, being a firefighter to him was see the as a regular line fireman seemed very boring to him. He just got tired of the mon the routine and mundane life of an ordinary firefighter. Eventually, John soon requested and got and got assigned to the fire department's hill patrol. Now, the hill patrol consisted of driving around in a Chevy three quarter ton pickup that carried a pump and water tank, doing fire inspections and prevention. Um, this would take him, this would, uh, take him around the very various areas that he eventually would use to set up his, uh, arson, arson crimes. Now it's very hard to determine it's when, where this pyro, pyrokinesis, uh, pyrokinesis, pyro, um, wow, he was pyrokinetic. I know he's a wizard. He's canceling firebolts everywhere. (sighs) Um, most, by his account, he always had a, he always had some kind of fascination with fire, but a lot of people seem to, um, think that the fire was many, as you saw in the clip, many people tried to paint this as a sexual gratification of it. Cause a lot of, uh, pyromaniacs do get a, a sexual fetish off fire and setting fire, um, but after reading this, and even by his own accounts, um, this doesn't seem to be the case. It seems more of the act of, oh, look at me. I am, uh, I, I'm the hero. I solved the case. Because as John would eventually, from his uh, position as the Hill Patrol, he would eventually be able to become the Glendale Fire Department's uh, chief arson investigator. Um. This is where John would refine his um, his ability from just simply setting a trash can on fire to actually coming up with the with devices that would allow him to set them up, delay them, and cause a would would be eventually very significant fires. As we will, we are about to talk about his um, his his worst crime of it. Um, this was the. Uh, South Pasadena fire and Ole's, um, is O L E Ollie's Olay, Olay's uh, Olay's home center. This was a hardware store located at a shopping plaza in South Pasadena, California. On October 10, 1984, um, Olay's um, was completely destroyed by a fire, and four people were killed, including. Uh, two employees, Jimmy Satina, 17 years old, along with uh, Carolyn Krause, 26, um, also killed was a customer, Ada Deal, 50, and her, unfortunately, her two-year-old grandson, Matthew Troidel. Um, 
many people would describe this fire as being very intense, very hot. In one case, is somebody who was actually able to get out. Um, he actually described his arm. The skin was starting to to melt. The heat from this was so intense. Um, this was a, for its time, this was um, a very big deal. This is actually at the time considered one of the worst structural fires in the Southern California region for some time. It drew uh, many um, arson investigators from all, all around Southern California to, to investigate it and investigate the destroyed store and, and find out the cause. John Orr was included amongst these uh, arson investigators. And at the time when they all kind of huddled together, they conclude the most of the investigators there concluded that actually this was a an electrical fire. Now this this will become this will come back to haunt John Orr not only because he obviously committed these crimes, but this was a case of where his ego got the better of him. He would he was the only one who insisted that this was a case of arson made a very by all this by all intents and purposes he made quite a big spectacle of this he let his eagle flash um out there there um to for everyone to see rubbed a lot of people the wrong way ultimately nothing came of it and it was declared a accidental fire um now, now I want to I want to kind of point out cuz we do have some listeners that are not from this country and I'm not sure how all the other countries are but um fire a fire investigator obviously I think most countries have firefighters I'm not sure if everyone has arson investigators um so an arson investigator is a firefighter who then receives law enforcement training who they in most states, um, I know in Florida at the very least, and I believe here in Kentucky, uh, in most states, they have arrestable powers, which means they are, they are the cops of the fire department. They go, they investigate and a possible arson, figure out who said it, why it was set. And then they themselves will go and arrest that person and make the case. Um, so John Orr being an arson investigator is technically fulfilling part of his dream of being law enforcement because he is the law enforcement of the fire department. But he is not a police officer. Correct. I, I believe you I, cannot well, pull somebody over and arrest them. The only arrest you can make is in the case of an arson. And I believe I did some research, but I believe that an arson investigator, at least in the state of California, does in fact not have arresting powers. He can investigate. Obviously, he does have many of the credentials, training, like you said, of a police officer or at least an investigator. And he does. They do work in tandem with the um, whatever local law enforcement that they happen to be working with. But the police actually ultimately do this. However, this distinction was lost on John Orr by all intents and purposes and all accounts. This went very much to his head. He was, as I as as I was saying, I this wasn't so much a sexual gratification or fetish with him. This was more of I'm the big damn hero. 
look how awesome I am. Very, uh, all, all... Uh, they do have the ability to arrest. Oh, they in, do. In the state of California, uh, according to Penal Code 830.37, all investigators assigned to the arson unit are considered peace officers. Therefore, they have the possess the powers of arrest. Okay, my research was uh, wrong in that instance. But uh, um, one of the things that would be a very would eventually haunt John was again, as I said, his ego would very much come back to play and haunt him because looking back when these in fight, when the intensity and the frequency of these fires would start happening through the air throughout the area, um, many of the other state investigators started realizing this is a, this, this has to be a firefighter. This has to be somebody who understands fire and is able to, um, is able to set it up in a way more so than just some Looney Tune with a with a you know a can of kerosene and some matches. Um, in many instances, they would find places that were deliberately set up. Um, I believe that one of the instances, like I said, he would use a a group of matches. He put together stuff a stuff to put them in a pillow, light them, and able to set the fire in a way that it would catch but it would be delayed so that he would be able to set it get away from the from the area and able to um have plausible deniability so that he you know he was never there but there would be there would be a very substantial fire um many instances when John Orr would show up to investigation he would what we later found out was just pandering and showing off he would show up and he would just look at his scene then he describes him showing up in his glasses and he just walk around invest other investigators and firefighters would be clearing the scene looking around for the point of origin and he just go there and he would just walk over and <laughs> I, I I completely there picture if, if anybody's ever seen CSI Miami, I I completely see uh what's his name where he the redhead where he takes his glasses off and he like we have a murder. That that's what I picture him doing, like the point of origin is there. I'm Honestly, it, on it's hilarious. fire. <laughs> and then you hear, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, the funny enough, when I was researching this, I, I I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh my God, could you hit, if he hand this thing up anymore, he'd be freaking porky pig. I mean, it, looking back, it, 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 I don't know why it took them as long as to find him. I, uh, many well, I mean, are you like, are you really going <coughs> to suspect, uh, well, eventually at this point he's not a captain, but are you going to eventually suspect your captain of being a arsonist? That, that, is, that is very... I true. mean, this is, this is the man who is supposed to be leading you and teaching you how to become a firefighter. Um, in point of fact... Um... John Orr would actually use his um, 
abilities and detective prowessness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and actually, we, helped, we gained him, like you said, he eventually would become a captain in the Glendale Fire Department. Um, I think eventually, if he had not been caught, he might have eventually become chief. He was a... He would have been a full-on battalion chief. Uh, he was... Um, one at the time, just before his, his um, being caught, was considered one of the, despite his uh, grading personality, as he was known for, um, he was considered one of the top investigators well, in California. I, I would be the greatest detective in the world if I killed 600 people and solved all of my own kills. Yeah. That, that is it's true. like setting up his own resume, like, fire. There it is. There it is. And on the resume, like this, this man could have fucking gotten 600 fires because he set all 600 fires. Yeah. You, Um, I mean, you gotta beat the best to be the best. Well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, the way he described it is like his, his contempt for authority never really went away from his air force time in fact like as i said this is to me this is what really fueled it if john orr would not be anybody's boss not it's not not if he could help it so as if you can't beat them basically join them if you couldn't beat the authorities that his mind were keeping him down he would he would outshine them and show and show them up so eventually he would become one of the top arson investigators for california um Actually, I found out even after the trial, they mistake they, they made a big kind of faux pas. Uh, they were still using his training videos for arson investigation. He would actually um, create several training videos that were used by the Cal- California for arson investigation and how to find arson. He's just he's there in the video. This should spark your imagination. <laughs> I can't remember that when when we get uh when we buy that stream deck I'm uh uh for the stream I'm totally gonna put that on the soundboard <laughs> oh God, yeah and um but little did John or know that all the while he is setting these fires and he's his fires are becoming more elaborate, more staged and more sophisticated. The, the circle, I guess, around him is starting to close. If our investigators in California were become were coming to the conclusion that these fires were being set by somebody in the in the uh, the pyro profession. Now, at first they looked for everybody from fire former pyrotechnics to um, oh, oh, former firefighters but then as they started realizing this is a this is a, a step up from again from just some crazy guy with a, some matches and kerosene they started realizing that this is an arson investigator oh yeah this I mean somebody- the the way that he set his fires it was of course, you talked about the delayed reaction, but then he would under have to understand um, having the the backblasts and having the right amount of oxygen to get in there to fuel the fire to get it to spread. 
um, using like polyurethane products, which are highly flammable. Um, and that's not some, some people know that as pyros, but you don't really get into that until you start going to like a fire school. Many, like you said, many of the knowledge that these of these fires and um, and everything was led to it. Eventually, what would literally hold, would confirm this was in January of 1987. There was a convention for arson investigators um, from California was held in the city of Fresno. During and after the convention, several suspicious fires were set in Bakersfield. Heavily. This, combined with the recovery of a single unmatched fingerprint left on a piece of notebook paper as part of a time delay incendiary device, led one of the um, led a uh, Captain Marvin G. Casey of the Bakersfield Fire Department to suspect that an arson investigator from Los Angeles was responsible. So I will say, in the eighties, obviously the technology wasn't that big for evidence and things like that. Um, and I don't know how it was in California back then. I know at least in Florida for most departments in Florida for law enforcement, when you become a law enforcement officer, you're actually fingerprinted and all of that. It goes into an employee database. Um, so the, I don't believe they had that back then. Because otherwise they would have been able to match his fingerprint to his employee database. Um, and they probably would have caught him a lot sooner and would have been able to save a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, during also, during uh, March of 1989, another series of arsons were committed along the Pacific Coast in close conjunction with a conference of arson investigators in Pacific Grove, California. By comparing the lists of attendees from Fre- the Fresno Conference with the, with the attendees for Pacific Grove, they were able to act- actually compile a short list of ten people of who were who were the suspects, and John Orr was on this list. But everyone on this list, the short list, was cleared of suspicion when their fingerprints were compared with the fingerprints that Casey had recovered from the piece of notebook paper and on the arson scene and or fingerprint did not actually match. So, and a point of reference here is the fire and the heat and everything could have very well, could very well have distorted that fingerprint to the point where it wasn't going to match ors. Um, and also like, and like you said, the databases weren't really there back in the late 80s. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were, they were looking. They, they back then, it in the 80s when you're comparing fingerprints, it's literally sitting two fingerprints side by side with a magnifying glass and looking at the distinction points. That's how they did it in the 80s, and I'm it was. It was, I mean, at that point, especially working long cases, he's looking at, um, what he's looking at 10 suspects. So he's sitting there, 10 fingerprints all day. You're going to miss something. 
I guarantee you, Orr's fingerprint matched. It's on his. On top of that, there was, I mean, where's the problem with cause? I mean, John Orr is a, goes, he's an arson investigator, but he obviously, he's not just stuck with the Glen, he's not staying within Glendale. He's going all over California. Who's to say he wasn't there at some point? Yeah. It, 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 it was, they were, they obviously were on the right track, but. They this this case was very much as we'll as we'll see in the next part. Um, a lot of luck played into this, and again, John Orr's own hubris would probably be the final nail in his own coffin. Um, and I believe so. This is a these are going to be pretty short two part episodes. Um, and the only reason we're doing two parts of this is because we want to kind of stick or got caught pretty quickly. So there wasn't much to it. Um, so, but sticking with the theme of our two parters, we are going to, uh, even on shorter ones, we are just going to cut them short and add some extra stuff into it at the end, add more discussion in at the end as well. Um, so at this point, I, uh, we are going to, um, leave it here and then pick up on part two next week. Um, I, again, this was a much shorter episode than what we usually do. We're usually at about an hour and a half. Um, but Again, we want to kind of stick with the schedule that we have been doing um, for consistency-wise. So, because really most of our stuff is going to be a lot longer than John Orr. But I know Ben wanted to do John Orr for a while. Um, so, plus I kind of want to see your dad. I want to get your dad's um, perspective on this because he, compared to us, he has a much longer um, law enforcement. Yeah, his. Um, or he might actually, I, I'd be very interested to see his input just from. He was also alive back then too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Obviously different States, but he, he probably, I, I would be, very I'm sure this made him. national news. Um, but yeah. And my dad again has the more law enforcement experience than both of us combined. So, um, I did, I did nine years total. Um, and my dad, my dad hit 20 years. So, um, and my dad was also, before he was a cop, he was a volunteer firefighter. Um, this would be very interesting. So, uh, with that, we're going to pick up on part two next week. My dad will be here for that. Um, and we will be getting his opinion on all of that. So please, stick around, uh, come visit us next week. Um, and we want to thank you for visiting the Scarlet Tavern. Remember to turn in your glasses, push in your seats and always tip the bard. Good night. Good night.